1: Coming up this hour, I'm joined by my friend, Davey Blackburn, to talk about his story and how, with God, nothing is wasted. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody, welcome to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and i typically alongside my host, Brian Fromm, and as you know by now, he has been gone for spring break with his family. Brian, hope you're enjoying, if you're listening, hope you're enjoying the sun. Another co-host from another (laughs) world, this is like a melding of two worlds for me. In Brian's spot today
2: and being here. Oh, I'm so glad, so thrilled. I just want to, I just want to be around Aubrey more. Come on, I just want to <laughs> glean doesn't? some more wisdom get, <laughs> and, and just be in your sphere of influence. So just maybe by osmosis, I can just get some of this like wisdom that drips from you. I'm
1: I'm going to actually like re-record that later and replay it for myself (laughs) on days when I'm having a bad day. So thank you for that. Yes. Uh, You want to be around. Of course you want to be around. That's right. Davey. This is so fun though. Thanks so much for being here. I love it. I love it so much. Absolutely. Okay. So Davey, we're going to dive into the the deep end pretty quickly because um, you know, people who may not know you may not know that your story is a a real one and a raw one and Mm -hmm. a heavy one. And so I would love to just kind of you know, we're going to talk to you for the next hour or so about who you are and what you do and your family mm. about nothing is wasted. But I would love to give our listeners who are new to you um, just a little insight into why you do what you do. Yeah. So, yeah. If, I mean, we're just going to jump right into the deep end. If you don't mind kind of t- walking us through your story a little bit.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point, Aubrey. Most of the time you discover your true kind of purpose in life out of some of your deepest pain. Yeah. And that is definitely true for us. Yeah. Um, I was a pastor and church planter in 2011. Um, uh, moved from South Carolina to Indianapolis to plant a church in 2011. Specifically, it was November 11th, 2011. And I remember that date very clearly because of what would happen uh, four years later. Mm. You know, and we were starting through the process of planting a church. Planting a church is tough. You know, it's a it's yes. like being called to you know very well. It's being yes. called to. I always say it's being called to plant a forest, but you're dropped in the middle of a parking lot, and so. <laughs> Damn.
1: I've never just, heard you say that, and that is so real.
2: We're just kind of tilling up the soil, and you're just breaking that. You're building relationships. You're doing everything you possibly oh, can to get at least one little tree to one kind of grow tree, up out of this thing. Please,
1: little tree. <laughs> oh, that's good.
2: That's really good. Uh, and in 2015, uh, my wife and I, Amanda, we had a 15 a, a month old at the time. We were just starting to see some momentum in this church. We had about 100 people plus every weekend, and that's it was awesome. like, wow, this is amazing. And that seems like after four years, like, wow, we should be way beyond this. And so we just thought, wow, okay, our our dreams are coming true. We're landing into a really good place. In the fall of 2015, my absolute worst nightmare uh, happened, and I came home from the gym on November 10th, 2015, and walked in and uh, found my wife uh, Amanda on our living room floor, and she was um, just kind of surrounded in a a pool of blood. Um, What had happened is that three men were on a crime spree in our city. They broke into the house two doors down from me, saw me leave for the gym, and decided to to take that opportunity to break into our house. Mm. And as investigators told me later, in an effort to um, protect our 15-month-old who was in his crib the entire time, Amanda was caught up in the scuffle, and she was shot three times.
0: Mm,
2: Davey. Um, She was pronounced officially deceased November 11th, 24 hours later, November 11th, 2015, which was four years to the day after we moved. Wow. To plant the church. Wow. So, needless to say, my world was turned completely upside down. Yeah. Um, and there's quite a bit that happened in between then and what I'm doing now. But essentially, mm-hmm. I'm helping people now, um, intercepting them in their trauma, tragedies, and major life transitions, yeah. and helping them to find purpose out of their pain. Yeah. Because I have now been awakened to a, a very real, visceral purpose mm. out of a very real and raw pain um, that mm. I went through. So
1: thanks for sharing that, Davey. I know that's gotta be, I know you, I know you talk about it quite a mm-hmm. bit, but that still has to be a heavy thing to keep it returning is. to again and it again is. and again. I, yeah. I can't imagine. Um, yeah, I can't imagine having to sort of retell that story mm-hmm. as you, I mean, so 2011, so we are
0: Yeah. 10, or, 12. I mean,
2: yeah, 12 years from removed wow. from that almost. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. gosh. That doesn't I even know, isn't seem that crazy. possible.
1: Yeah, that doesn't even seem possible. Yeah. What is it like now, Davey, just kind of reiterating that story? Like, even in this moment, like, yeah. what does that feel like for you?
2: So, we're almost six years, well, just beyond six years from the tragedy, <clears throat> and over 10, and 11 years from the time that we moved. And it mm-hmm. just. It is very fresh sometimes. I think that's what people have to understand when it comes to grief. A lot of times we think, man, I should be a lot further beyond this by this Mm -hmm. point. Um, And so I think grief surprises us in that way. I think it surprises us on both fronts, though. I think there are some days we wake up and we're like, wow, I feel surprisingly really good. Yeah. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I attribute this to the fact that there is a peace that passes all understanding that guards our heart and mind in Christ That's Jesus, right. That's right? right? And we're hanging on to the truth of what Jesus said. And in John 16, he said that um, uh, that there will be sorrow in this world. Yeah, there will be trouble. Yeah, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So he mm-hmm. told us that we were going to have hardships. He told us that we were going to have difficulties. But that we can take heart because He has overcome the worst of all difficulties, the greatest thing that could ever come against mankind, and that is death. That's right. And because He's overcome that in Christ, we can also overcome that as well. And so, no matter what we go through, we can be resurrected out of that. Mm, and so uh, I, we call it, we say that Jesus is the greatest jujitsu artist that ever lived, right?
1: <laughs> I love that. That
2: he, uh, um, as Tim Keller says, he allows evil enough space that it ultimately terminates itself.
1: Isn't that an incredible thought that God has the power to do that?
2: Yeah. that we People ask, why did God allow something bad like this to happen into my life? Mm-hmm. Well, if I trust, if I look at it through the lens of the fact that God is good, that he is a good father, that he only allows good things to come into the lives of yeah. his kids, though it may not look good or feel good in that moment, we know that he has a plan already. Mm-hmm. To redeem this, to resurrect this, to change mm-hmm. this, and ultimately terminate evil in our life. So that's what I mean by jujitsu artist. Yeah. He uses the opponent's momentum against the opponent.
1: Amazing! It's like take
2: your best shot, yeah. Satan, yeah. right? And that's yeah. the cross in mm-hmm. the empty tomb is the best example that we have of this.
1: Mm-hmm. I I do love thinking about that. Like the worst thing that the worst thing that the enemy could throw at Jesus and us death. Yeah. Jesus just turned it right on its head. And what you're right. saying is he does that all the time in our lives. That's right. so good.
2: So there's times that grief surprises you and that you're like, man, I feel like, why is this, why is this taking me out again? There are mm. days I still have where I'm, even though I'm working with people every single day and I have this renewed sense of mission and purpose because of it, yeah. there are days that I'm just like, I can't believe that happened. Oh, yeah. and I And yeah, I miss her so much. Mm. And then there are other days where, yes, I still miss her, but I feel normal, relatively, right? I feel like, hey, I'm on purpose and I'm on mission. And it it always has marked, it will always mark me. I will always be a different person because of it. Yeah. But we're hoping that we move through the valley of the shadow of death, different people in all the good ways, Mm. that we have become refined and turned more into the image of Christ as we're moving through that.
1: Yeah, that's good. And Davey, I, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, of our listeners who have walked through grief themselves, or maybe are walking with someone who is grieving. And I know when we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about how nothing is wasted was born out of this pain for you. But yeah. um, man, if they just feel like I, I can't believe I'm not over this yet. I can't believe yeah. I'm still yeah. circling this. Do you have any sort of word of encouragement or even just like grace to speak over them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would say this, and this is a, a pastor said this over me in the very early stages of my grief. He said, David, you're not always going to feel like this. Mm. And even just hearing that from someone who had, and this person had gone through something horrific. Yeah. right. he had lost his daughter and he said, you're not always going to feel like this. So I could at least borrow his faith there, kind yeah, of look to great. him and go, okay, if, if God's going to bring him through it, he can bring me through it as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, one, I would say, Borrow my faith. If you're listening to this, you're not always going to feel this way. But the other thing I would say is, yes, don't be surprised when it feels like you're circling this. And Aubrey, I know you and I have talked about this because mm-hmm. you, know, you think about the children of Israel circling in the wilderness. It's, yes. all, it's all an identity issue for them as they're wandering through the wilderness. They're going from slaves to sons and daughters. Mm. And, and so, yes, you're going to circle this thing over and over and over a grief. But it's not going to be something that doesn't have to be something that circles and and, and brings you down like this cyclone vortex that sucks you under. Yeah. It actually, you can look at it like a staircase that moves you up and Mm. out of this valley. Okay. And so it is part of the healing process that you're going to circle this. So be encouraged with that. Know that ahead of time. Sometimes it's just knowing that can encourage you like, oh, yeah, I'm circling this. But the next time around, maybe you have some different tools Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you have a, a different um, understanding of how to face that particular trigger or grief point yeah. that, that helps you kind of take one step further in the valley of the shadow of death.
1: Oh, So good, Davy. Thanks so much for that. Thanks so much for that word. That's encouraging for all of us. Davey, where can people find you on social media and follow all the things you're up to?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty simple. At Davey Blackburn, D-A-V-E-Y, B-L-A-C-K-B-U-R-N. And nothingiswasted.com. That's is uh, NothingIsWasted.com. You can follow everything that we're doing there.
1: That is actually a perfect segue, because I want to talk to you about the ministry of Nothing Is Wasted, because yeah. you shared before we uh, broke that you um, went through a horrific tragedy walking yeah. in to find your wife shot, and um, mm-hmm. that ultimately led to her death. Mm-hmm. Out of that, God has done mighty things. Yeah. And nothing is wasted was born. And so, yeah. David, could you talk our listeners through just kind of that path? How right. did that even happen? Because that feels like such a wild thing.
2: It's, it's such a long path. We could spend hours talking about it. But essentially, the idea of nothing is wasted is Romans eight twenty eight that God turns all things. He works all things together for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. And um. We don't feel like God wastes anything. Not an ounce Mm. of pain does he waste. And God had to remind me of this right in the middle of my valley. Uh, We were in the hospital waiting for test results to come back for Amanda. I'll never forget this moment. Her sister was sitting on the other side of the hospital bed, actually in the same positions that we were 15 months before when Amanda was giving birth to Weston. Wow. Just me and her sister sitting there in the hospital room. Mm. And so fast forward 15 months and she's lying on her deathbed. We're waiting Mm. for test results to come back. And we thought if there's... If she's conscious, if she can hear anything that's going on even though she's unconscious right now, if there's any kind of brain activity happening, she'd want to listen to Elevation Worship. That's mm. what she used to run to, that's what she used to listen to all the time when she's cleaning yeah. the house. So we put on Pandora radio station Elevation Worship. And many of you guys know Pandora is an it's like a randomized playlist. Yeah. So you don't know what's coming first when you just put Elevation Radio, you know, Elevation mm-hmm. Worship. Mm-hmm. The first song that popped up was the song Nothing is Wasted. Come on. And it's like God reached into that moment, and and I mean I, Amber and I look at each other and we're just we're in tears. It's like mm. we knew in that moment mm. that this was not going to end the way that we wanted it to end, yeah. yeah. But that God wasn't going to waste it. Wow. And so it reminded me <clears throat> of what Amanda did as a hobby. She refinished furniture, so she would grab mm. these like dressers and you know furniture off the side of the road or off Craigslist. There's very cheap price or free. Someone had thrown it out. And yeah. she would she would rehab it. And, and so she'd call me. I'd be coming home from work. She'd say, hey, will you just pick up this dresser? And the first time I brought one home, I'm like, what? in the?" I look at her, what are you going to do with this? <laughs>
1: what is this?
2: And she goes, Davy, trust me. Give me mm-hmm. a little time, and I'll mm-hmm. turn this into something beautiful. Wow. I'll never forget those words. Mm-hmm. Because later, after her death, I felt like the Lord was whispering that into my spirit. Davy, mm-hmm. trust me give me a little time and I'm going to turn this into something beautiful. What the world sees is completely discarded, unusable. They look at it Mm. and they go, how could anything good come out of this? God says, I can bring good out of this. Yeah, And that's the idea of nothing is wasted. And so a few years after Amanda passed away, I had been blogging up to that point, but I'm a preacher. And so I can talk faster than I can write. I love (laughs) writing. I do love it. But I just couldn't juggle doing all of that stuff and there were yeah. there were tens of thousands of people reading my blog and I thought, well, I don't really honestly have a, a whole Amazing lot to t- to share people and so I I kind of want to bring all the people that have been ministering to me onto a podcast to have conversations. Yeah. And that's that's what spawned into the Nothing is Wasted podcast. We just interviewed a whole bunch of people that I had met along the journey who had gone through really terrible things mm. and yet God had showed up had shown up in their pain.
0: Yeah. And
2: brought them through their pain. And that, and it had turned, I mean, essentially tragedy into triumph. Yeah. And so before we knew it, we had all, not just s- stories of widowhood or loss of a family member. We had all kinds of pain avenues that people were sharing out of. Yeah. And so naturally people started asking us, I was a pastor. So they thought maybe I had all the answers to pain. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm walking so they,
1: through this myself. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah.
2: we're getting inundated with all these emails Wow. Um, at the end of 2018 and long story, but I, uh, we ended up my my wife and I, Christy, my new wife, we decided to step away from the church that we were pastoring, mm-hmm. and decided to build nothing is wasted as a full fledged ministry. Wow. All it was was a podcast at the time. Wow! But I, I all I needed to do was kind of travel and speak and share my story. And so as I was doing that, people kept coming forward, going, "This is so inspiring." But what do I, what do I do next?
0: Mm.
2: I mean, in droves, Aubrey, like. Almost like it was the first time the church had given them an opportunity to, to open up about their pain. Wow. And so it, I just felt like the Lord was saying, Davey, that's the question you have to answer. What do people do next? Mm. You have to take them from inspiration to transformation.
1: Mm, that's good.
2: And so that's what has evolved into Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Um, we share content online. We have community online, a community that's actually targeted to the specific pain point that you're going through. And we have coaching. Um, I believe that the convergence of those three circles is transformation. You can experience transformation when you have content, community, and coaching. Content that inspires, community that encourages, and coaching that challenges you. And so that's what we're seeking to do is just help people with that.
1: Davey, something else that I know you offer is the pain-to-purpose devotional. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So the the crux of what we do is a course called the Pain to Purpose Course. This course is being launched in churches all over the world. We actually just launched in the UK and Ireland last month, which is <gasps> awesome. That's awesome. So we're now baby. international. It's super cool. But I spend most of my time now traveling, sharing my story, and using that to kind of add a thrust or a runway for churches to launch this 12-week course in their churches to help people grapple with their pain and, yeah. and to... Move them out of being stuck in their pain onto a, a, a renewed sense of purpose and mission, get them back on mm-hmm. purpose and mission in the in their local church mm-hmm. and so I, I out of that was like, man, I just want to provide some supplementary material for people to walk through a forty two day journey of um, learning other uh, other scriptural characters, kind of our heroes of the faith, and the pain that they walked through mm. and how God met them in their pain. I say how god um, it Interacted and intervened in their pain, because if if we can kind of see in Scripture where how God interacts and intervenes in those characters' yeah. stories, yeah, we can begin to understand how He does it in our story as well. That's
0: good, that's good. So it's a
2: forty-two day journey, the Pain de- of Purpose Devotional, <clears throat> designed for you to kind of take one day at a time, every day for forty-two days, and it it, it goes through the character of Job, Joseph, David, Ruth and then two weeks for Jesus in the early church.
1: Mm. And Davy, I know you said this at the top of the at the top of our interview, but what uh, where's the best place for people to go to find the the coaching, the other content, yeah. the devotional, where can people go to find all this amazing resourcing?
2: Yeah, nothingiswasted.com is the best place to go and find everything. And then from there, if you're looking for another place to go and find anything from Pain to Purpose, nothingiswasted.com will get you there. Yeah. But you can go to mypaintopurposeplan.com, mypaintopurposeplan.com, and everything's right there as well, the devotional, the course. If you're a pastor and you're looking to offer this course in your church, you can find the information there.
1: And Davey, we have about a minute left. I'm thinking of the person who they just feel so stuck in their pain point. It may not be the same grief you've carried, but it's some type of pain or or just even like insecurity or something that's keeping them like they hear you say, well, God built this amazing ministry out of your pain. I feel stuck in mine. I don't even know how to take a first step. Like, I don't even know if that's possible. What would you say to that listener?
2: The first step I always tell people is to lean into those painful emotions mm. and begin asking questions of God. That's good. A lot of times in church world, you're going to hear, don't question God, don't question God, don't question <laughs> right. God. And I right. would say, no, actually you need to do quite the opposite. Mm. Question him because mm. that's where you're going to find him. And he may not give you the answers that you're wanting, right? He yeah. doesn't always, because his ways are higher than our ways. That's right. But he's going to give you very real, tangible, not just, not just answers, his presence, yeah. And that's the best starting place because he'll lead you on a journey on the type of questions that you're going to ask first are going to be why questions like why me? Why is this happening? Then he'll lead you on the second step of that journey. And that second step is going to be where questions, meaning like, where are you, God? Like, where are you showing up in other people's stories or maybe you're showing up in mine? The next one is, is going to be, um, what questions? Okay. God, I see how you're showing up in people's stories and maybe in mine as well. What do you mm. want me to do out of this? Mm, it's good. And then the next one's going to be how. Okay, so how do I do what you're asking me to do? Yeah. And God leads you on that journey. You can't bypass any one of those steps. Yeah, but as you begin to ask questions of God, like right now, why questions of God? Lean into those painful emotions. Lean into those twi- triggers. Ask God these difficult questions. Love Cry that. out to Him. Like yeah. be angry at Him. Yeah. At, at least take all of this stuff to God, to the feet of Jesus. He's going to start leading you on this journey.
1: Oh, I think that's such a good word, Davey, because so often we feel like the opposite is what we need to do to be faithful. We can't bring that stuff to God, yeah. but we actually have a God who invites us to have such intimacy with him that's that right. we can express those very raw, real things. And God will meet you there yeah. in the middle of that.
2: Aubrey, Isaiah 30 says, though he give you the, the water of affliction, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, the teacher will hide himself no more. So in the middle of pain, he's not going to hide himself. He's going to reveal himself. And he'll reveal himself in very tangible ways if you're looking for him. Yeah. And it says he will be like a voice whispering behind you, this is the way, walk in it.
1: Mm. Such a beautiful word for us. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Davey. So Davey, in the the middle of this wild journey, the other thing that people may not know is that you have been... trying to get a book out there about your yeah. story. And yeah. this book has been in the process for yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> Can that. you like, uh, you know, <laughs> open the curtain yeah. a little bit and talk to our listeners about what, cause it's a fascinating story. Right. And I think it's something that actually, Uh, we'll all connect to if we think about perseverance. So can you talk to us about that story?
2: Well, you know, last segment we talked about the Pain to Purpose devotional. We Mm -hmm. just self-published that as a ministry because we were like, we need to get some kind of resource out there for people. Yeah. Um, This book that's sitting with a publisher pending is called Nothing is Wasted. And it essentially, it's the journey of how God brought me through the healing journey, right? Yeah. I'm kind of more the character in the story rather than the expert. You know, this is not (laughs) a preachy didactic type, you know, here's a, here's three point sermons and all these chapters. That's not, it is actually a story of how God led me on this healing journey and how Mm. he showed up in my story. And so ultimately it really shows off how amazing God is in the midst of pain. That's awesome. I wasn't going to write it at first. Um, I wasn't going to write it until maybe years later until I kind of had gone through it and Mm. was figured out how to work through pain. But I had um, a very respected, well-known author who leaned into me early on and told me that I needed to write everything down that I was feeling. Mm. Um, uh, You guys probably know Bob Goff. He's the writer of Love Does, right? Yeah. He was very kind in the very beginning stages. He really is the kind of person that just cares about people. And so Mm. he invited me to go grab sushi with him while he was speaking in Chicago. We sit Mm. down and he said, Davey, I want you to write everything you're feeling right now. Wow. Because there are people that are going to need to hear the real and the raw. Wow. Well, um I ended up getting connected to through an event that I spoke at, one of his events, to a writing coach who said the exact same thing to me. She said, mm-hmm. "Are you going to write a book?" And I said, "Well, I don't, I'm probably in a few years." She goes, "No. I've been reading your blog. You need to write right now." Wow. And so she gets me through this major God connection. She gets me connected to a an agent and and the process just boom it expedites it's like all of a sudden months later i'm signing this book contract and i'm writing the first couple chapters of my book. And let book. me
1: interrupt you for just a second cuz I am also a, a, a agented author mm-hmm. and the things that Davey's saying like that does not happen. Like there are right. authors who spend years banging their heads against agent doors knocking down publishers doors yeah. like you just don't get a contract that quickly. So that clearly uh, was favor from God saying this right. book needs to be written. Is what right. what I want our he listeners
2: to understand. He was 100% opening up doors yeah. and it didn't make yeah. sense to me at the time yeah. cuz I'm like I just, you know, I don't know. And here's the thing, though, Aubrey, and you'll appreciate this. When I sat down to write the first chapter of my book, it might have been one of the greatest therapeutic experiences I had. Wow. I learned later that that's like forming a trauma narrative. Mm -hmm. My writing coach actually walked me through a method that now we teach as a ministry, a method Mm -hmm. on how to see your story, gain distance from your story so that you can become a a heroic, godly character in your story to make Mm -hmm. wiser decisions in your story. Wow. And so she taught me this method. I start to write my first chapter, and and I'm telling you, I'm having these like visceral triggers. I'm getting up and walking out and going to take a walk because I'm reliving that day. Yeah. But but God showed up in huge ways. And then he Mm -hmm. showed up through the whole evolution of the book, right? And we know writing is an evolving process. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> it's a living, breathing thing. It's not like this. Oh, I've got the, all of this figured out and I'm going to sit right. down and write it. <laughs> right. So it's evolving. And so so I'm like, man, this is wonderful. I'm so excited about this manuscript. And we turn it in the beginning of 2017 and then it sits. And here's why it sat.
0: <clears throat>
2: it sat because my late wife's jury trial still has not happened.
1: David. And because
2: that first chapter is such an explanation of what I encountered and experienced uh, that day, yeah. the court had to tender it. They had to, they had to mm. basically kind of, um, I don't know the technical term for it, but they had to capture it. And, and legally, they, we can't release it. Wow. So for several years, the trial has continued to be pushed back. So aside from all of the just emotional drum up and, and the toll that that takes of getting ready for a trial and yeah. then it getting pushed and getting ready yeah. for a trial and getting. I still have not sat in the same room with the guy who shot her. <sighs> So I'm continually preparing myself. This is the first time I'm going to actually see him face to face. I'm going to have wow, to live mean. out what I say I believe about forgiveness and mm. not holding resentment and mm. walking in the kingdom of God. And like, that's so emotionally taxing. Mm. On top of that, there is this, there's this ministry that we want to do through this book that is continually getting pushed back. Now I I'll, I'll say all this, yeah. <clears throat> this has been a long journey and there's been a lot of processing yeah. through it. But what I recognize right now mm is that all of the delays have been God's providential hand. Because mm. anytime you experience a delay in your life, it's it's usually because either you're not ready for what God wants to bring into your life. Yeah. So this thing yeah. you're excited about, you're anticipating, you're hopeful for, right? Yeah. Hope deferred yeah. makes the heart sick, and that's true.
0: Yeah.
2: However, if we can look at it through the lens of, well, maybe I'm not ready for what God wants to bring into my life yet. Maybe Mm. if he brought it into my life right now, because of, for whatever reason, it would be a curse, not a blessing. Mm. Maybe, maybe my life isn't strong enough, or I don't have the infrastructure personally or my family systems or whatever, right? Isn't ready for this. So in order for it to be a blessing, God's kind of withholding it right now. Okay. Mm. Maybe the world's not ready for it. Maybe Mm. there's other pieces that God's putting in place Mm. right now to get for, for just the right moment, a time such as this, right? Right. Maybe that's why it's being delayed. Either yeah. way, it's always being delayed for a reason. Now, I can say that now because I can look back and go, oh, my gosh, look at all these pieces that God has put in place
1: yeah. to,
2: for us to ultimately build a, a ministry infrastructure that could actually help people, help mm-hmm. people heal. Yeah. Whereas if this was released back in 2018 when it was originally supposed to, yeah. it would have been a really inspiring book. Great. A lot of people would have been like, man, that, I just experienced kind of a breakthrough reading mm-hmm. that. But there wouldn't be any, anybody else walking with them, coaches, yeah. community, some of this yeah. other content to help them move all the way through yeah. the valley of the shadow of death. Now we have that.
1: That is an amazing thought to me because now when people read Nothing Is Wasted book, that's going to be their first entry into Nothing Is Wasted exactly. ministries. Whereas, like you said before, they would have read the book, they would have been moved by it, but then they would have been like, well, now what? Yeah. And and so the fact that the Lord gave you that time to build this foundation, yeah. to really minister to people is is incredible.
2: Well, in, um, and in 2018, if this had been released, Aubrey, this yeah. story would have been a lot more probably about me. People probably would have looked and gone, wow, that's inspiring. That man mm-hmm. really walked through a very difficult thing. Yeah. But now the story, the, the book and all of this is going to be more about you guys. Everybody, wow. everybody who picks up and reads it and can relate and go, mm-hmm. I'm walking through something really awful right now. Yeah. Whether it's depression, anxiety, whether it's some kind of tragedy, loss, yeah. grief, divorce, whatever. I wonder if I can walk through the same kind of healing and then mm. we have tools to help you walk through that kind of. Healing.
1: So good. That's so fantastic. Davy. Um, Davey, two thoughts that I have one. Uh, is there a release date at this point? And can people <laughs> like pre-order or where can they kind of pay attention for when we the book's going to come out?
2: Order No, kay. unfortunately we can't pre-order yet. Um, my publisher has actually said, okay, until the trial actually happens, we're not going to set a release date because okay. we keep, you know, we keep yeah, setting release keep dates it, and then all of a sudden, you know yeah, how, I mean, yeah, it takes months yeah. to start, you know, kind of getting things ready it in does. the publishing world and stuff. Yeah. So, they said, okay, until the trial happens, once it happens, once it's done, we'll set a release date and we'll, we'll work the runway from okay. there. So the trial right now is scheduled for April 25th, the week of April 25th. So just okay. in a few weeks. Wow. So once that's done, then we'll be able to announce a release date. If you okay. want to follow me on Instagram, Davey Blackburn. If you want to follow nothing is wasted at nothing is wasted ministries is the Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to subscribe to our email list, nothing there's a way that you can subscribe right there. Um you, any of those ways we will keep people updated on when the book is actually going to release.
1: Yeah, okay, thanks for that, Davey. Also, the second thing I want to ask you, so you and I are obviously both pastors, so let's turn this pastoral mm-hmm. with the last few seconds that we have together. For anybody who's like coming up against something again and mm. again and again and God keeps delaying it like you're talking about, how can they get that perspective? Like how can they even just remember This is for a purpose. God has a bigger plan. Like, give us just some type of pastoral word in that.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can say something pithy like, you know, God's delays are not like God's denials, right? Mm -hmm. And that's true, right? Mm -hmm. But but I think you've got to think about the fact that over and over in Scripture with God's people, we see these prolonged seasons where they're going, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? And when you look at it, it was actually the right exact moment galatians actually tells us that it was at the exact right moment that god sends his son mm. that for 400 years he's silent and yet there's all these pieces if you look historically that god is putting in place yeah to make the the conditions exactly right for jesus to show up on the scene the gospel to to, to move out from there and so i think you just gotta it's a, it's all a trust i mean and, and yeah. it boils down to that it just boils down to god i don't know what you're doing i can't yeah. see it but i'm trusting that behind the curtain Mm. You're working and you're moving that you're mm. that, that your inactivity seemingly right now is not testimony of absence, yeah. right? That you're you're still here. You're still moving. You're still working. I just can't see it. So I'm going to trust you.
1: Yeah, that's good. I I always say the minute that we start expecting God to work on our timelines is the minute that we've stopped worshiping Him as God. Wow. And so I think this is a that if you're in that listener, that is a moment to step back and trust that God is actually who God says He that's is, right. is sovereign over this situation and is moving all things so that nothing is wasted. That's
2: right. In that's your right.
1: life. And I wanted to point out to our listeners that in your Pain to Purpose devotional, you actually have a couple days that are focused on. That's right. God's delays. Can you talk to our listeners about, again, where they can find that devotional and some of the things you cover?
2: Yeah, if you go to nothingiswasted.com you can find all of the resources that we have. Um, an easy way to the, the devotional, paintopurposedevo.com paintopurposedevo.com
1: Okay. So Davey, we're going to switch gears here a little bit because we've heard your stories. And by the way, listeners, if you've missed um, some of my conversation with Davey, we'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast. Davey just learned this, that we like to say, wherever it is, you cast your pods (laughs) here at the Common Good. Um, So Davey, part of your story is that you lost your wife, Amanda. And then at some point in your life, God brought some romance back in. he
0: did. And
1: uh, I want to hear that story. And then now you're part of a blended family, and I think That's our right. listeners really need to hear that, especially those who are in a blended family situation. So mm. first, let's talk about Christy and how God, yeah. like God, even opened your heart to dating again after such a tragic he loss did. of your wife Amanda.
2: Yeah, it was about a year after, and I, and I was very intentional. I told the Lord, I said, "I'm not taking my wedding ring off for a mm, year. I yeah. just want to I want to spend this year really mourning and just doing exactly what you want me to do in this. Um, in fact. Uh, marking the year of Amanda's death, we actually recorded a live album, the worship band of the church that I was pastoring. We recorded a live album on that day, Mm. and we did that live album at the church that she grew up in, the church her dad pastors, and the church we got married in. So it was this really great just kind of taking back some of that territory in the spiritual to the end, and I've
1: heard some of that album, and it's really, really good. Can I it just is. interject? And where can people find that anywhere? Because they can so on good.
2: iTunes. Yeah, you okay. can find that. Or Apple Music, whatever it's called now, is um, and it's just called "Ever With Me" Resonate mm. Worship. Ever With Me, and it's a really great album. I mean, it's very professionally done. Um, but that was like the, the I remember putting my wedding ring back on after that day, and now I had I had seen this girl come into the into the gym that I was working out at. And uh, and I'd also seen her because there were several gym people f- working out at the same gym that I was c- coming into my church. And so it was really kind of the first time I noticed like somebody caught my eye, mm. but I was intrigued by her because she was coming in with a daughter and okay. she had no ring on her finger. And then, yeah. of course, you know. You can kind of look up in the system as they start volunteering, like where the marital statuses are and stuff like that. (laughs) Nothing creepy at all. Nothing like that. But there's privileges as a pastor, right? You see database stuff. But to be honest with you, it was very difficult to figure out how do I date as a pastor and a pastor has a very public story. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't go to Chick-fil-A, Aubrey, without being recognized and someone wanting to take a picture with me. You know, it's like, this is odd. I'm being recognized for my wife's murder and oh, it's Chick-fil-A, you know, it's, so it's just this weird. So I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't know how to date. Yeah. It's like, as soon as someone sees me out, like, what is that going to, I don't yeah, know.
1: Yeah. That's very strange. So
2: aside from all of that, I will never forget. It was actually the week I was turning in the manuscript to my book and I remember going, Lord, I just need to see the God story in this. Mm. I went into the gym after eight hours of writing. I went into the gym and out wa- walking out of the gym was Christy. Come on. Was this girl. And um, so I cornered her very pastorally. <coughs> um, <laughs> and I just said, hey, I don't know your story. I don't know. Like, you've been coming to my church for a while. I just love to, like, tell me about yourself. And so she proceeds to tell me a bunch about herself. Mm. She was serving in our inner city ministry as well. And so that intrigued me. And yeah. and so I'm like, well, oh, she's pas- I found out she was passionate about ministry and missions. She had spent some time overseas doing missions. So I said, that's why you're serving in our inner city ministry. She said, well... Um, my stepdad and mom live in that neighborhood, which is like a really rough neighborhood. I'm like, wait by choice. Yeah. They think that this is part of their like ministry. And so I wow. said, well, this is why we're serving in that neighborhood is to yeah. intercept kids and teenagers before they step into a life of crime related, drug related activity. Mm-hmm. I don't want what happened to our family to happen to anybody else. Wow. She goes, I know your story probably more than what you want to know. Huh. And I said, uh, um, what do you mean? She yeah. said, my stepdad, who lives in that neighborhood, is also one of the chaplains for the Marion County prison system. Come on. And he has been assigned to the three guys that killed Amanda. He shares the gospel with them every DB,
1: I've never heard you say you that You didn't before. know
2: this, Aubrey? No. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe you didn't know this. I had no idea. This is the God thing, right? So this is the thing where it's like God's going, hey, there's something here. Mm. Mm. Um, you've been intrigued by this woman. And now... Mm. I'm bringing her into your life because there's more of a story that needs to be written. Yeah. And so the first thing that came out of my mouth, I wish I could say something profound came out of my mouth. First thing was, do you want to go grab some dinner?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, we need to keep talking.
2: And then we had second thought. We're like, wait, we can't go out in public because all of that like conflict that was happening in my head. And so it ultimately we ended up, I just ended up pursuing her the next three months in very weird ways in the sense (laughs) of like. Now I look back and I'm like, man, I can't believe I did this. But in, I, I would try to figure out when is she coming to the CrossFit class. I'd text her, Hey, when are you bringing your daughter so I can bring my son and they can have a playmate?
0: Really, I just wanted to
2: be at the same CrossFit class <laughs> right, as her, you know. Right. And eventually, after a few months, she uh, agreed to to go on a date with me. Mm. And so we dated for the next nine months. Ended up getting married at the end of 2017. And was
1: this. Secret dating, Davy, or was it, this some of it was? Dating? Okay, yeah. some of it was secret dating, yeah. and some yeah. of it
2: was. Uh, finally, by about June of that year, uh-huh. I was like, you know what, we got to stop this kind of secret stuff. Yeah. Let's just deal with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's just go out in public, and what happens what happens. Yeah. Um, so we did, and we got married, and we blended our family. And mm. so, you know, ask me whatever question you want. But now we have Natalia from her previous marriage. Uh-huh. Uh, she's eight. Weston is seven from my previous marriage, yeah. and we have a two and a half year old cohen who is ours together
1: that is an awesome story i love it i love so much about it and i know your wife christy a little bit and i love her too so i just i love how god brought the two of you together Uh, um so davy yeah i think you know blended families i mean i've been in church a long time yeah and i don't know that i've ever even heard a pastor talk about blended families like in a marriage which is wild isn't it
2: isn't miss, that wild? Because it's
1: wild. about
2: yes. 50% or so of families now are blended families. They're dealing I with mean, some kind of blending.
1: Which is a massive statistic. If half of the yes. families in your church are probably a blended family. Yes. Why aren't we talking about this? So I guess I have maybe a couple yeah. questions, and we can talk about this in the next hour if we need to, yeah. but um, one... You know, you spent some time as a widow, widower, Mm -hmm. for a while. So that's a ministry that the church needs to get better at. And then this blended family thing. So um, let's let's start with blended families. We'll we'll talk about widowhood when we return. But how can the church maybe even just begin to take steps to minister to the blended families in a way that they aren't right now?
2: I think at first, acknowledge it, right? Recognize Mm -hmm. that that you have (laughs) a lot of blended families. And so, (laughs) you know, remove your idea of the normal family unit, you know, even though it is what God intended for humanity to look like as a normal family unit without, without brokenness, all yeah. throughout scripture, because of the curse, right, the fall of man, all yes. throughout scripture, there's dysfunctional families. All, thr- so all throughout true. your church, there are dysfunctional yep. families. And so we've got to lean into that dysfunction without judging the dysfunction or ostracizing that mm. dysfunction. And we have to address it. We have to be real about it. You know, we, I always tell people, pastors especially, be okay with there being a mess in your church, mm. right? Um, I think I think it's in is it in Proverbs that says without oxen the stable is clean,
0: <laughs> something like that. <laughs> That's it's real. like if you
2: want a clean stable, right? Yeah. If you want a pretty clean church, then just talk about the things that pretty clean families are gonna like mm. have. in there, but if you really want to reach people who are messy and broken, mm-hmm. talk about the things that are messy and broken. Mm. And, and that if you don't have a particular experience with how to help blend a family. Now, Scripture is pervasive about principles, right? The same principles that help to govern marriages or, or normal, quote-unquote, family units are, are the same principles that help to govern a blended yeah. family, yeah. right? Principles like, hey, we have to consistently be willing to forgive and admit that we were wrong, right? Mm. We have to put other people's needs before our own. Like Those mm-hmm. are scriptural principles that govern both, but there are nuances to each, and so if you don't know or understand or have the tools for the nuances of blended families, bring in some experts, bring That's in people good. that do, bring in some resources and some tools to help. And then you can point people down a pathway of saying, hey, we, we care about you. We want yeah. you to have a healthy yeah. blended family. And, uh, and we're willing to do the work to, do, to help you along the process.
1: We started talking about how the church can better support blended families, because now yeah. here you are sort of unexpectedly in right. a beautiful <laughs> blended family. What we didn't really get a chance to talk about was how the churches can support widows, because obviously you spent... Um, some time. Well, still, you're still a widower. It doesn't right. end just because yeah. you got remarried. Yeah. Um, and of course, we know that the church is is filled with widows yeah. and widowers. And we also know that the heart of God is a heart for widows and right. widowers. Right. So I, I, I don't even know what kind of question I want to ask you, but yeah. how did the church support you? Because I know yeah. you had some friends come around you in church, right. support you in your own um, widowhood journey. And then how can the church <clears throat> get better at this?
2: well i I had you're right so many great, great people that surrounded me, and that's what I attribute my most of my healing to is that the church, the big c church as a whole, just reached out, wrapped their arms around me, carried me in kind of a hammock of grace i mean it mm. was it was remarkable um and that is a, a lot of people's experience they they feel that right, especially in the immediate aftermath of a loss, you feel people show up for you. People are there for the funeral. People are there for the, you know, or celebration of life, whatever you end up calling it. But usually after three or four weeks, everybody kind of goes back to their own life. Right. right. And it's gonna feel like if you are on if you're the person who lost somebody, it's gonna feel like everybody's moved on. And you're left here with like this same pain and this Mm. grief that you're holding on to. Mm. And so the first thing that we always try to tell people and try to equip the church with is take note of that. So yeah. notice that three weeks, uh, six weeks, six months later, they're still hurting. That's good. And they're still yeah. the same needs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're that's still the a good same reminder. needs.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they're probably hurting even more six months into it because they've kind of left that phase of like the shock phase and now they're in the like deep, lonely, dark night of the soul phase. Mm. And so it's really important to come around them. And so because I've walked through it, I, I know that now. And I've yeah. got a friend of mine that just lost his wife. And so regularly I will reach out to him. Hey, mm. how are you? Yeah. Right. And, it, you know, now he's telling me right now in the season, because it was probably about, you know, four or five months ago, he's going, I'm i uh, I'm lonely. Mm. This is hard. Yeah. Right. This is yeah. hard. So I think, you know, James one twenty seven says pure and undefiled religion is taking care of orphans and widows. Mm. Yeah. That these are typically the type of the, the folks that the kind of society forgets about. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be intentional about not just remembering, but, but leaning into their life. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about that is we have some friends who are widows, widower and stuff, and they blended a family, lots of kids. <clears throat> and they found out that they actually received a lot of support as widows. But once they blended their family, they don't receive that support anymore because all of a sudden it's assumed, it's assumed, oh, you've got it taken care of because you've remarried. And there, when you're blending a family, there's a lot of struggle and nuances with that. And mm. especially if there's a lot of kids.
0: Yeah. And so I would say there's
2: still some of the same needs because you're still carrying around a lot of that grief. Now it's just complicated.
1: Wow. Unpack that a little bit more, Davy. Like what are some of the complications that can come up as you're carrying grief and then blending a family?
2: Well, I mean, just think about like the emotional side of it. Think about the fact that you're about you're marrying somebody else while you're missing this person you lost mm. and there's so much of you that is like needing to express that and talk about it. And one of the, one of the, the virtues of love and marriage is that you know so much about your partner you know so much about like you're, you're one with that person. And so for yeah. instance, Christy as she's leaning in with me and she's getting to know me, there are times where I'm still going, I really miss Amanda. Yeah. Well, think about how emotionally that makes her feel. Wow. And the space she has to hold in that. Wow. In order to walk with me, right? Wow. And then, you know, she's in a a divorce situation. So think about the space that we're holding for this co-parenting. Wow. So life is way more complicated than it was when I was just a widower, Mm. when I was single. Yeah. You know? Now we're having to – there's so many other grandparents and there's so many other people, uh, agendas and cal- calendars that we have to sync up mm-hmm. with and other things that we have to consider. We can't take a trip now without going, okay, how does this affect Natalia's dad and how does this affect this and how does this yeah. affect this? And it's all of these kinds of complications. So you're carrying still the grief Yep. and you've just complicated your life even more. Okay. I
1: mean, that's a lot
2: it is a lot. And so that's where maybe the church can lean in a little bit more too is is recognizing, hey, in even in in these seasons of life after some time has passed whether that person's remarried or not, they still need some support, they still need to be plugged into the community, they still need to be given responsibility and mission. And I think that sometimes what we do as a as a as pastors, I was guilty of this so much as a pastor is that we kind of overlook life complications and situations, and especially hurt and pain that people mm. are going through, in an effort to kind of get get somebody to fill a role for us. Yeah, because we've got a job we got to get done, and we've got a yeah. mission that we're advancing, right? Yeah. And there are some seasons of life where it is just plain it. It's almost impossible for that person to fill a volunteer role mm. and to be on mission until they sort through some of this pain. Mm. And they kind of start to become whole again. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we short-circuit their healing process by trying to get them into some kind of a volunteer role. and And we're really good at, at making people feel bad about that from the stage. <laughs> right, right. Like, right. you should be serving. And if you loved God, you would be—do you want our kids to—you want the kids <laughs> to so grow true. up not knowing about Jesus? And, man, <laughs> they might go to hell. And so you better volunteer— <laughs> in the kids ministry I'm
1: laughing but that's real I mean churches do that right right and do so, you care about the next generation
2: right yeah. so yeah. it's like we okay that's fine I get it we need to we want to put people on mission but sometimes they can't go into purpose until they've sorted through their pain mm. So whether it's widowhood, blended families, or yep. whatever it is, maybe it's abortion, regret and recovery, maybe it's sexual betrayal, maybe it's, mm-hmm. we've got to be just more attuned to the hurt and the pain mm-hmm. that's going on in our congregation, shepherd them well through that. Mm-hmm. Then, I promise you, then when they heal from that stuff, they're going to be unleashed on mission. You won't be able to stop them.
1: Wow. wow. I
2: wake up every day so excited to help mm-hmm. people. Mm. so excited to come alongside the local church and the mission of the local church. Yeah, that's awesome. And the awesome. people in your church will be excited as well. Mm. We've just got to hold space enough to to help them heal. We've got to actually yeah. care about them and shepherd
0: them.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so good, David. That's such a good word. You you just mentioned a lot of areas, sexual betrayal, uh, abortion regret, um, obviously blended families, widowhood. Mm. And i I bringing that up because I know something that you mentioned earlier, nothing is wasted, are these... Coaches, community groups yeah. that are specifically around these pain points. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit more about what those are and how they can find out more?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we have community groups that are actually groups that with those titles. So people can come and they can kind of like self-identify, hey, this is the particular pain point that I'm working through right now. And they can be surrounded with other people all over the world yeah. who are walking through the exact same thing. And then we also kind of unleash our coaches, our certified coaches that um, some of them are have pastoral Training and certification, and you know, ordination. Some of them have counseling training and licensing. Licensing. Some of them don't. They just have a coaching certification. But we unleash them as well on that community platform to interact with people there, so they kind of act as some guides. And yeah. then people are, have the opportunity to sign up for group coaching or one-on-one coaching with these coaches in that specific area. Mm. So you have a, a you know a coach who has walked through sexual betrayal. Yeah. And they've they've worked through it. They've healed from it, and now they're certified through the Pain to Purpose pathway to walk you through it as well. So there's all of those different targeted, nuanced kind of pain journeys right there, and that that's really what we feel like kind of the bread and butter of Nothing is Wasted Ministries is is that that solidarity. We we say Me Too. Now let's move through.
0: Mm, There's that double
2: side, you know, the same side or double other side, opposite sides of the same coin kind of thing. Like, hey, there's solidarity here. I get it. I've been there. I know what you're experiencing and what you're going to experience. I know the landmines that you're going to have to maneuver around through this journey. Um, Now let's not get stuck in this. Let's move Mm, through it. Me too. Now let's move through.
1: Love that. David, we have covered a lot today. We have covered your own pain story. We've talked about your ministry. We've talked Mm. about blended families. One of the things that we've kind of touched on but haven't really dived deeply into is leadership. You're a leader. I'm a leader. You've led churches. You're leading a ministry now. Kevin and I co-lead our church. So, you know, especially over the past two years, something that Brian and I have talked about often on the show is leadership has been really difficult to navigate in this sort of weird, bizarre, COVID, politically rife world. Right. Right. Beyond that, though, there are lessons in leadership that I know you've learned. I know I've learned uh, that have been shaping and forming and sometimes humiliating and sometimes, yeah. go, you know, I would love for us for sure. to just, we have a lot of ministry leaders and church leaders who listen to this show yeah. and people who are just leading families or leading businesses or like leading their kids day in and day out. Right. I would love for us to just talk about lessons we've learned along the way in leadership.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: are there anything anything that come to mind over your like decades of experience?
2: <laughs> well, the first thing that comes to mind is that there are a lot of lessons. <laughs> <laughs> there
0: are a lot of lessons. Maybe that'll That's be like real. book
2: number four or something. You, you know, go. it's there like I always hesitate to talk about this too because it's almost like, man, I I think the first lesson that I would draw from this is I'm not the expert.
1: Totally, you're always learning and always kind of failing forward as a yes, mover, right? exactly. Yeah. And I yeah.
2: think that the person who gets up on a stage or gets on a microphone and and makes it sound like they're the expert, shouldn't be trusted.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's good. Honestly, because I'm like,
2: well, okay. I mean, the more I get into leadership, the more I'm going, I don't really know what I'm doing. Totally. Because hopefully the more you get into leadership, the more like – um, almost I, I, it's probably not right, but expansive your influence it becomes yeah. right. So mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. maybe your your organization is growing, your team is growing, mm-hmm. and at every one of those right, every at new levels come new devils, and you're encountering <laughs> these place these where you're going. I don't know what to do now. Yeah, now the playbook is thrown out because what used to work doesn't work anymore, and I'm right. now not the expert again. Right. And so I think I think one of the biggest lessons for me is like be okay that you're not the expert.
1: Mm. In
2: fact, I so my personality has had trouble with this because I'm kind of the jack of all trades. I like to do a whole lot. And so yeah. because I'm an entrepreneur at heart, I've always built, you know, my like whatever I'm leading, I've kind of built it from the ground up. So I've always yeah. had to do all the, the things myself at some point in that. And then it gets very difficult to pass those on. And so I, I tend to be like, Well, I, nobody can do that better than I can do it yeah. because I've been doing it. Yeah. But what I'm learning is that if you really want to have influence, you really want to have um, you know, an effective organization ministry, whatever you call it, you've got to bring in experts Mm. who are way better than you are at what Mm. you're doing or what, Mm. you know, the stuff that you don't need to be doing. So you can run in your lane that you're called to run into. Yeah. And right now we're learning this a lot with nothing is wasted because we're growing really fast. And so I've sit at a table with some experts where I'm going, Hey guys, I have no idea. What do you think is the best thing for us to do? Yeah. And that's that can be like That can hurt my pride a little bit, but at this point, (laughs) at this point in this stage where I've just kind of failed forwards and fall on my face so many times, I'm like, I don't really care.
1: Right. Right.
2: What's the best thing? And, And really letting a team, that collaborative effort be the thing that drives things forward
1: interesting, Davey, is that when you say this, I, I know this because I've seen some of the background, is you're talking about even people who aren't even connected to nothing is wasted right. necessarily, or relationally they are, but I think this is our, this is key for leaders to learn, because I think sometimes we think, like you said, either we need to get it all right ourselves, know it all yeah. ourselves, or like just our team needs to get it all right. Right. Instead right. of realizing perhaps God has an area where we are leading mm-hmm. and getting it right, but because God creates a community and a body yeah. God might be working in this other way over here with this community this church this ministry this organization and there's some collaboration that can happen that exactly. actually better reflects him and better moves ministry forward so you're this is interesting because I think you're talking about expanding what team even looks like
2: That's true yeah in a
1: way that pastors aren't always thinking about so can you unpack some of yeah, those partnerships I you've even created I think that's so created? good
2: because I think in the marketplace they're opening up to the idea of collaborations right mm-hmm. of like it not everything has to be under this like one uniform umbrella of a mm-hmm. brand but but there's this idea of like, hey, if we collaborate, then we're going to go further faster because we're collaborating with other organizations yeah. and other you know partnerships yeah. and stuff like that. The marketplace gets that really they get that I feel like the church doesn't get that oftentimes
1: totally it's very the church like, uh here's the silo this is our fiefdom, this is
2: our territory, this is what yes. and so it's like. Partnering with other, you know, churches. Whoa, hold on a second. Well, my people might leave to go to that church, and it's like, well, so what if they do? Yeah. Maybe that other church is the exact expression of the kingdom of God that that person needs to be a part right. of. Yeah. You You and I, okay. So as as a as a church, as a pastor of your local church, I, this was told me one time that it was so good. You play a part in the score of God's orchestra. Hmm. And if you can figure out that part, then you're going to hmm. walk as a church as an organization you're going to walk in purpose i mean it's going yeah. you're going to be able to play that part to the best of your ability yeah, a lot of churches don't think they play a part, they think they're mm-hmm. the point.
0: Mm.
1: And they maybe don't know the part they play because I think sometimes too right. you can easily get swayed as a leader by people who go well. Why isn't the church doing this? Why isn't yeah. your ministry focusing on this? Why isn't your organization this is a this is a blind spot. This is yeah. and so to be able to step back and go well, actually. We're not necessarily called to that. We're called, God has put us in this lane. We're running hard after this thing, not apologizing for the thing that you're not, but then going, but look, there's this amazing organization over here that's doing that. Let's bless them. Let's work with them. Let's not see them as competition, but like celebrate what they're doing. And how if we could have that... Um, kind of uh, celebratory shared yeah. kingdom of mm-hmm. God mentality rather than territorial. I mean, how might God like move and flourish and expand yep. Yep. and do mighty things for his kingdom when we see ourselves as, like you said, a piece of the score and not the yeah. whole orchestra? That's
2: good. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably one of the biggest leadership lessons I've learned is like, mm. hey, don't think that you're the point and what you're doing is like the end all be all That's everybody yeah. has to come up under. Yeah. Just share, collaborate, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and I, I wish the church could get that.
1: Yeah. That's good. Um, Davey, with another like minute that we have, if there's a, a leader out there that's just super discouraged, like maybe yeah. they are feeling territorial, maybe like they don't want to admit it. But like there's a little bit of competition <laughs> or jealousy. I mean, I think that's real. Yeah. There's some ego yeah. for all of us in leadership. Uh, give us just like one one word of encouragement.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking of um, of Paul's word to Timothy. Mm. Um, where he said it's 2 Timothy 4 5, he said, Be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Mm, it's good. It's like these are the thing like be sober in all things, okay? So have a sound mind in all things, endure yeah. hardship, you're gonna go through hardship, keep persevering, keep enduring. It's testing the genuineness of our faith. At the end, you will receive the reward. Keep running, you're gonna keep going. Do the work of evangelists. Bring people into the kingdom, no matter what you're doing. And then most importantly, fulfill your ministry. It doesn't say fulfill a big ministry. doesn't say fulfill a certain type of ministry. Fulfill the ministry you were called to. And don't deviate from that. Don't look back from that. Don't shy away from it. Your ministry.
1: Yeah, such a word of encouragement. Thanks for that, Davey. I am thrilled to be joined by my friend, Davey Blackburn. Davey, thanks for being here. This has been so fun. Thank you.
2: Oh, I'm lamenting with you Chicagoans. Is that how you say it? Because your spring break is ending. Our spring break in Indianapolis is ramping up. This is it right here. We're going into spring break right now. Starting, are you and
1: Christy and the kids doing anything fun for spring break? We are
2: going to be going to Florida. Yeah, we're going to get together with some of the other families in our kids' school, and we're all going to Florida together, and it'll be fun. fun. The kids will all play, and they'll take watch themselves while the adults doing
1: like beach Florida or theme park Florida. Beach Florida, Uh, yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, beach Florida is my well, one of my favorite Floridas. I like theme park Florida as well. Oh, that's gonna be so fun, (laughs) so fun. Well, Davy, we were just talking about leadership, and I know one of the things especially especially as, well, really not just for leaders, anyone who's following God, um, we want to know how to hear from God. So as we're leading, as we're following, we feel like we're on the right path. And I know that hearing from God is one of the things that you're really passionate about helping people understand how they even hear from God. Right. And I think there's a lot of a lot of us out there, you know, Christians who've walked with God a really long time, brand new Christians, people who are maybe just kind of circling around this idea of faith in Christianity that yeah. have no idea. Like when you and I are talking about hearing from God, they're like, I don't know what you mean by that. How right. do you hear from God? Yeah, The amazing thing about God is he speaks to us in all That's kinds right. of ways. So he there does. are all kinds of ways we can hear from God. But I think for the listener out there who maybe is just like, to, I help me. How do I yeah. hear from God? Maybe yeah. there's an issue I'm like praying about. I need, I need to hear from him. I need some wisdom. I need next steps or just generally I want to like commune with God and I want to mm-hmm. hear from him. Yep. Can you kind of paint for us a broad picture yeah. of what <laughs> does it look like to hear from God? Cause it's a wild concept to even think it about, is. right?
2: It is. And you could really do a deep dive into this, but the truth is I love how Dallas Willard talks about it. He says like essentially the cruelest thing in the world would be for us, if God doesn't speak today, for us to tell people that they can have a personal relationship with
1: God. Ooh, wow, yeah.
2: So the truth is, is he does speak to us. It's not that he's not speaking. Often we're not postured to listen to him, Mm. right? We have to kind of, I I talk about sometimes, because I have sprint service. Um, I I call it crawl, actually not sprint, because um, (laughs) I really need to change my carrier because I'm consistently dropping calls and I'm just not, I don't have good service. Terrible. Sometimes like the service is out there. It's the frequencies are going, Mm -hmm. but, but my, my carrier isn't allowing me to tune into that. Mm. The same is true. God is always speaking, but maybe you have to shift the carrier that you're kind of trying to hear from God in, Mm. um, because God speaks in space.
1: Interesting. Unpack he, that.
2: So he speaks in, in moments of, of silence and solitude. Yeah, right? that's right. He's not going to speak when we've got all these other distractions, these like beeps and pings and dings and stuff going. These mm. notifications that are happening. We live in a very distracting and very distractible society. Yep. And so we have to be intentional about that solitude, intentional about carving that time to listen to God. Yeah. Um, and so one of, the, uh, one of the most beneficial things for me was when I was—I mean, I probably was ten years old—and I I went through Henry Blackerby's *Experiencing God*.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that, that was a fantastic, devotional.
2: unbelievable study. I
1: about that one, yeah. And
2: in it, he talks about the ways that God speaks to us. And it kind of set the framework for me. And I, we've had to hear from God in some very big moves and transitions, you know, moving from South Carolina to plant a church in Indianapolis. We had to hear from God. Right, you right. better believe that I wanted to hear from God about that, right? And I'm mm. so glad because we moved, my my wife was murdered, right? So be, Think about I mean, that. So you so need to be
1: sure that I, that was the right decision. I
2: am so, I don't have any regrets. I know yeah. that God told us to move. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's because I, I because he told us through this framework that Henry Blacker lays out. Same mm. thing with leaving the church, right? Walking away from the church that mm-hmm. that that we started and that we pastored to do nothing as wasted ministries. Same thing. And here's the framework, very simply: God speaks first of all, primarily through His Word. Yeah. Okay. He is already like everything that's in His Word. He's speaking through that. So. He's not going to speak anything contradictory from his word. So that's the first rubric or framework that we can kind of line it up against. People will say, man, but I want to hear God's voice audibly. Like I want to hear it out loud. And that would be nice. And so maybe you have heard that. And Mm -hmm. I've definitely heard of some people who have. But if you really want to hear the audible voice of God, take your Bible and read it out loud.
1: That's good. (laughs) So that's true though. I mean, that's funny, but like, I think sometimes we do forget that. Like we have God's word right here in front
2: of us. Yeah. Yes. Good. Good. Um, And so now, now God's word can be difficult to understand. Okay. And Mm -hmm. interpret. There's whole classes in Bible college on hermeneutics and interpreting God's word. And there's a lot of different avenues that you can roll down. So the next way that he speaks is through his Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is going to kind of inform us and, and help shape for us what God's word is saying. Yeah. Um, he's again, not going to speak anything contradictory to God's word, but he's going to help illuminate that to us. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to move us and stir us in certain occasions that are going to line up with God's word. It's like, if my dad were to call me right now, I would not have to go, who is this?
1: You'd know who it is. Right I would away. know who it
2: was by yeah. his voice. Right. Yeah. And so the yeah. things that the Holy Spirit kind of brings to the surface, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this sounds like God mm-hmm. because this is the God of the Bible. This is what God is. Saying, yeah, right. Good. So the Holy Spirit does that. The other way that he speaks is through our circumstances. He opens doors, closed doors, circumstances kind of that help to shape a path for us. Yeah. Um, And you know, Psalm talks about how his his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We really only usually know the next step or maybe two steps ahead. We don't know the whole path. Yeah. But those circumstances begin to shape some of those things, and as we look at those circumstances, we can get guidance, which is the fourth thing, from godly counsel. And that godly counsel can purvey and survey the entirety of God's word, the Holy Spirit, and the circumstances that are happening in our life, and they can provide that sounding board and that godly ca- that that counsel to us. And so, yeah, this is where right. like a spiritual director, like I know you've worked with mm-hmm. Aubrey, it becomes very handy. It's a very yeah. good tool to go. What is God speaking to me about? Nobody else should be able to tell you what God is speaking to you about, but they can help reflect that back to you. Mm-hmm. They can help to go hey, um, this sounds like, you know, God might be, you know, or uh, no, God wouldn't usually, he wouldn't say things like that to people mm-hmm. because that's not the God of the Bible, right? Yeah, so maybe yeah. you're telling yourself something that is shameful and it's like, yeah, well, that's not, yeah. there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Amen. Jesus, right? So we can kind of like see what God is saying through some of those things. so.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's 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 kind
2: of the basic framework um, of how to how to hear from God. I
1: love that. That, I think that's so helpful. In fact, I was thinking, Davey, about I have a friend who she was um, not to go too deep into her story, but she was hearing a lot of lies Some of that was because she had been really manipulated by her parents as a child. Mm -hmm. So she was meeting with the spiritual director to try to sort of unpack what was God's voice, what was her unhealthy, toxic parents' Mm -hmm. voice. And the spiritual director was somebody, that godly counsel that you talked about, who said to her, Look, God is not a god who manipulates. Yeah. So that is not from God. And she was just very firm. She was even like, I that's rebuke so that in the name of Jesus. Like I mean, she didn't mess around. Yep. And so I think that is that's so important, Davey, because there are there are lies mm-hmm. that we live under. There yep. are like false narratives that we just replay in our heads and they can be from the enemy, they can be from critical people in our lives, they can be yep. from the world. So be, to be able to hear from God and discern, like to know his voice well enough to discern right. what's him, right. what's not, what's the enemy yep. is so freeing. I mean, yeah. it helps us become like Jesus. It helps us thrive. It helps Absolutely. us. We just walk with our heads held high because we know who we are yep. when we hear God's voice. And yep. so I, I love that framework. That's, I think, so helpful for all yeah. of our listeners. Yeah. So, so good.
2: Yeah. And I Oh, go ahead, Aubrey.
1: No, go ahead, Davey.
2: Well, I was just going to say, there's other things that can come into play and depending on your... You you know um denominational persuasion and stuff yeah prophetic words and things like that yeah. however I would say that make sure that it lines up with these other four things mm-hmm. right I I happen to be a fan of prophetic words I love yeah, when someone too. gives me a prophetic me word too, right? I love it.
1: Yes. I'm wrestling
2: with one right now. I've had two people on two different occasions that don't know each other give me the same prophetic word, but I'm asking God. I'm going, God, what are you saying? What does this mean? Yeah, this resonates so with my spirit. It resonates with me, but I'm trying to, what does this mean, God? Mm. And so you still have to line it up with those four things.
1: Yeah, that's so good. You still have to practice discernment and make mm-hmm. sure it's from the Lord. Even if you're like, wait, two people. Well, let's just make sure. So I, totally. I think that's so good, Davy. Such good wisdom for all of us. Well, uh, Davey, it's Friday and I love <laughs> that right. you're here on a Friday because every Friday Brian and I do one of our favorite things and that is a top five list yeah top five top five top five top five top five things with Brian and Aubrey okay so Davey uh this is your first top five list I'm so excited we are gonna do top five leadership books. Okay. So this is books that have meant the most to us in our leadership journeys. And I know this was hard for you to nail down. Wasn't it was.
2: It? Yeah. yeah. It's really easy for me to go, Hey, top five books on pain or top right, five right. books in even like a spiritual journey. Right. Uh-huh. But leadership. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah, there's and a that's lot because them. you love, so many of them. There's
1: a lot and you love leadership books, right? I, I know do. this about you. Yeah, yeah. I do. I'm I do. anxious to see if we have any of the same <clears throat> leadership books I think on we our list. I think
2: there's one that I think will yeah. have the same one, I, at least one of the them. I have the
1: same feeling. So, I, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I know it's hard to rank them too, but let's just start with oh, number we have 5. Oh, to rank
2: them. Oh, what okay.
1: is uh, what is number 5 on your top 5 leadership book list? All right,
2: Number 5 is a book called Leadership Pain. By, by Sam Chand. Sam Chand. Yep.
1: Love yep. that book. Yep. Yeah, talk, what is that book? Talk to us about it. It
2: is a book uh, that is a collection of, of different contributors of leaders yeah. who talk about their painful experiences in leadership. And I, I read it uh, shortly after my wife was killed. And it was like, I wow. felt like I could, I was going, oh, wait, this is the common experience of ministry and yeah. of leadership is that you're going to experience pain. Yep. Right. And all of a sudden it brought me into a circle of people that people that I knew these leaders, but I'd never heard them talk about their own pain stories. Yep. And I'm going, wow. Okay. I feel heard. I feel known.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that this is actually going to be shaping and forming, uh, formational in my, in my future leadership.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to just go ahead and throw up my number five is also Sam Chan's leadership pain. All right. Uh, and what I love, I'll just add to what you said. He talks about leadership being bleedership. And yes. I think that that's really true is as a leader, yes. you just the pain that you're up against. And and one of the things he talks about uniquely in that book that I don't think enough leadership books talks about is that sometimes in leadership, you've got a group of people that are intentionally going to try to sabotage your leadership. And they may not think that that's what they're doing, but especially in the church world, like you've got critics that walk into your church and to know that that's actually a natural part of what it means to be a leader. That to me has been so helpful in leading through some of those seasons, especially the past few years of COVID let's be honest. So leadership pain by Sam Chan. All right. Are you ready for your number four?
2: Okay. Number four. I think so. Yep. I think so. Uh, number 4 is Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership by oh, Gary Gary McIntosh. Okay. Really what's, good. So what's he that takes one about? He takes biblical characters and he looks at like Moses, um I believe David's one of them and he looks at the attributes of that character that made them such a great leader but he looks at the t- the two sides of the same coin that there is a dark side and a light side to those Ooh, attributes okay. that make them a, so it basically it's the idea of hey the personality that is making you such a great leader there's also going to be some dark sides of that personality mm. that's going to lead to your downfall if oh, you're not careful right. if you don't hedge yourself you don't guard yourself you don't yeah. work through these and let the lord sanctify and refine these yeah so it was very helpful for me to identify like oh this is the bright side of my personality the good mm. side the redemptive side this is the dark side of it mm. that's going to take me down if i don't if i'm not careful
1: Oh, that's so good. Okay, I'll have to add that one to my list because I've never heard of that one. Okay, for me, number four, I'm going to go with a Creativity, Inc., which is a book oh, by a Ed one. Catmull. Yeah, yeah, he's the uh, CEO of Pixar or yep. creative director of Pixar. Mm-hmm. And um, that's more of a creativity book, but he does mm-hmm. talk about creativity in leadership and sort of allowing people to make mistakes as a way to improve and, yeah. and talks about you know how they create films at Pixar. And a lot of it is just... What we were even talking about, the writing process, like it's, a, it's an organic fluid yeah. thing. You're constantly improving. You're constantly messing up in order to get better and – I love that book because it's, one, it's not from a Christian perspective necessarily, but there's so many truths about life and leadership in that. So that's my uh, number four. All right, Davey, what is your number three leadership book?
2: All right, number three is The Emotionally Healthy Leader by Pete Scazzaro.
1: Oh, I didn't put that on my list, but that book is so good. That
2: was pivotal for me. I read that during a three-week counseling intensive that Christy and I went we went to for, um, right after we stepped away from the church to start mm. and then to launch into the next season of nothing is wasted. And I yeah. needed it. So I was like really processing through a lot of my leadership, what I felt like were some failures and going, yeah. like, I don't want to bring this stuff into this next phase yeah. of leadership. And so that was, that was good. Like let's get emotionally healthy. Yeah. that's I, All church
1: leaders, phase. all leaders yeah. need to read that book. That's a good one. So good all right my number three is um you wouldn't think of this as a typical leadership book but i actually think it is the way of the heart by henry nowen because mm, um, in it he this is the book where he really talks about you you're, being such, the a beloved. I'm you're such, such a i i'm such a four, four aren't
2: <laughs> I? he
1: talks about you being the beloved as yeah. like the core of who you are and i think if we can lead out of that place instead of out of mm. our brokenness and our scarcity that makes for so the good. best leader all right davy number uh two what is your number two okay this one
2: not, not a whole lot of people have heard this one, but it is okay. by far one of the best leadership books I've ever read.
1: Ooh. Leaders
2: Leaders Who Last by Dave Kraft.
1: Oh yeah, I haven't heard of that one.
2: Yeah, it's a very I mean I don't I don't know why it's so like it's obscure, but it, hmm. it is so good. Leaders Who Last by Dave Kraft. It actually okay. if if somebody's like interning under me or like it's a there's a young leader, this mm-hmm. is the first book that I'm handing them hmm. because it, it addresses more the character stuff of leadership. Mm. Right. And that ultimately your so talent is going to take you way, yeah. way farther than your character can sustain you if you yeah. don't address the character stuff. So it's about like, how do we lead for the long haul? You know, oh
1: man, in this day and age, too, where we are hearing story after story after yeah. story of like pastors' failures. That wow, that sounds like a really good resource. Yeah. So good. Okay. All right. My number two is going to be um, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. Uh, Ruth is a spiritual director, kind of spiritual practice lady. And in her leadership, she tries to almost like move away from like, um, move away from like, what's the best thing you need to do in leadership, but instead like searching the heart of God in That's your good. leadership. So it's a really, yeah. really refreshing read. Mm. All right, Davey, any... Honorable mentions before we dive into our number yeah. ones.
2: This one's a little bit weird because it's not necessarily a leadership book. It, yeah. It's probably more like a management book, but as someone who is entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and someone who is consistently building something from the ground up and then having to like bring people along and teach them how to do those things and stuff. Yeah. The E Myth Revisited. The E Myth E-Myth Revisited. And it's like a very well known book in the business world. It's not very well known in the <laughs> church world. Yeah. Okay. Um, Michael Gerber, The E Myth Revisited. But it really talks about how to create systems and structures that are sustainable Ooh,
0: that's and that bad. are repeatable
2: and that really, you know, so it's like down to the nitty gritty of like how to create SOPs and different things that we use all the time that Nothing Is Wasted It has been so helpful for me as a leader to build a team fast by by putting this into our culture, you know,
1: I am going to buy that for Kevin. That one sounds fantastic.
2: All
1: right, Davey, it is time for our number one leadership book. I am wondering if we're going to have the same one. I'm very, very curious. I think think we might too. Okay. Okay, So you go first.
2: All right. The making of a leader by By J. Robert Clinton.
1: Clinton. That's right. Yep. Yep. That is such a powerful leadership book.
2: Amazing. Amazing. And the only reason I thought that that was the case is because I know that you guys did that in your, um, in your cohort. In our at grad Wheaton, school. In your yep. grad school cohort. Yep. And so I remember being so excited when you guys were reading that. Yeah. Because that, that's been a hu- very pivotal book for me.
1: Yeah, that's such a good book, The Making of a Leader by Robert Clinton. Well, that's our top five list for this week. Davey, thanks so much for being here with yes, us today. thank you
2: guys. Absolutely. It has been
1: so fun to have you. Listeners, we hope you've been encouraged by our time with Davey. And thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again on Monday uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. Brian Fromm will be back with me in the studio then. For Davey Blackburn, I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.